Well, a big shout out to all of our graduates, huh? That was really cool. Whether we're graduating or we're in some level of transition, um, what holds true to us is to be true to our King. And we have been studying the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, the King, comes onto the scene and proclaims that the, the kingdom of God is at hand. And the king then begins to come into the setting of all other kingdoms and begins this journey with followers to say, this is what the kingdom looks like. This is what the kingdom should look like. This is what is going to happen in the kingdom. This is what should happen in the kingdom. And it will conquer all other kingdoms, but not through war, through love. He comes onto the scene and he says, this is what it is. You've heard it's been said, but I say unto you. Last week, Chris taught us on the prayer life that, that, that says we go to the Father. And those that believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we see this remarkable relationship as we, as we breathe out, right? We breathe out to the Father. We exhale a relationship. We exhale who we are. We exhale who he is and exalt him. The one who is above the heavens, the one who created the heavens and the earth. And then we see community in the center, right? We see, give us this day our daily bread. And we see that that sustenance was given to us by the king of kings, who is also known the bread of life, the living water, the prince of peace. And we understand that the kingdom came to the kingdom. And not only that, he took on the war. He took on the punishment. He took on the, the punitive action. He was our Savior and our Lord. Savior and our King. And he desires for us to live a kingdom life. He desires for us to take his word seriously. He desires for us to know and understand that if we will trust him just enough, just, he understands us, he, under, he gets us. I believe the king says, if you would just, just, just move into what I've asked you to do, live how you've been told, you will live a life that is extraordinary. Anything that's ordinary, anything that is average, anything that is of any other kingdom, pales in comparison to what I have in store for you. Not just in the kingdom and earth that are to come, but the abundant life here and now. And Chris taught us about the prayer, and many of us grew up reciting that in more of a liturgical form, more of a formalized church background. In the later manuscripts, the earlier manuscripts didn't have it, but the later manuscripts also included the doxology. And so we would end the, the prayer, whether we called it the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer or the prayer that Jesus taught. However it was framed, we would end it for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Signifying that the king was saying, this is how you communicate. This is how you are to live within the kingdom. That you breathe, you, you exhale, right? You exhale who
who you are, what you desire to be, your prayers to the Father. And then you inhale in the Spirit. You inhale the things of the kingdom. And it allows you to live and not just survive, but thrive in this life. Now, we'll see in most of our Bibles, the doxology is not in there. And what he does is close the passage, close the prayer, uh, with a different sort of, of passage. Two verses. If you have your scriptures, whether electronically or paper, he says this, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now there's some pretty strong words from Jesus that are in the Gospels. Not everything he says allows us to feel comfortable. If we take him at his word, it is scary at the very least. It petrifies. The king is still the king. He's a gracious king. He's a, he's, he is a merciful king. But he still is in charge of justice. He is still in charge of justice, which he just seems to come at us with mercy. And that's what he desires for us. He desires for us to know that there is justice. There is rightness to live that personal ethic and also encourage each other to live that ethic. And then those that are outside the kingdom that see something different, then at that point, the kingdom is noticeable. It's not just noticeable because there is a castle or that there is an army. It is noticeable because the citizens of that kingdom live differently. They come from a completely different ethic. Scripture even says that we're peculiar in the way that we interact. If we look too much like other kingdoms, we should question. That's how serious the king is about his kingdom. To me, these are pretty difficult words. Difficult in two ways. One, because it's hard to live it out. What I would say to our graduates, no matter your age, is keep breathing out to your father. And keep breathing in his sustenance, allowing the spirit to control your temperament, the spirit to control your attitude and your mind. Because one of the things that you're going to have to deal with, no matter what, unless you've decided to be a hermit, which I do not recommend, is that you're going to be dealing with this thing called forgiveness. We all have suffered from people fatigue, even in our own families. Don't say amen. Jesus, the king, knows that people in the kingdom are going to need to breathe out forgiveness. And they're going to need to breathe in what God can only supply. He knows that 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 his people in his kingdom are susceptible to doing things on their own. Any independence in the house, right? And he knows that when we are in charge of our own selves, we will get ourselves to protect ourselves. We will do things. And he desires to be our all in all. He desires to be our sustenance, that which we breathe in life, only to then breathe out to him. Not to others, 
but to him. And then he will supply our need through community, but not community first. King first. This all makes sense in a minute. You see, what happens in forgiveness is that if we take this passage at its word, it sounds very, very dangerous. Because we'll think, if I don't forgive, and then I'm not forgiven, does that mean I'm out of the kingdom? Am I in and am I out? For the sake of today, you, if you're a nerd and you want to study this out, go for it. It is a wonderful study. We don't have time for it here. But there are generally two views. Yes, that's what he's saying, because it's serious business in his kingdom. Or secondly, he's not speaking of the justifiable act that only the king can do. You see, you and I cannot save ourselves. You and I cannot please God enough. Have I made it yet? Nope. Am I good enough? Nope. But, 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 nope. It's all the king. You see, the king took on your war, and he's victorious. Oh, now you are still dealing with other kingdoms, but my people will be sanctified through the power that comes from forgiveness. It's not a justifiable act because I forgive, but because I forgive, he's continuing to mature me. And what I would suggest to you is that the king wants us free. The king wants you free. He does not want you carrying a burden, not a burden, none, zero. He desires for you to exhale your burden to him. And then through the spirit, allow your burden to be matured so that you don't have to carry that burden. You see, when you come to this topic of forgiveness, it's a no-brainer. I could easily start sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. But the one thing about forgiveness that it does do to us is it, it hits our inner man. It hits our inner woman. It hits to the core of who we are. Because each of us in this room have easily experienced drama with a D. Drama. And there are some in this room that have experienced trauma with a T. And drama and trauma will continue throughout our lives. And it's how we desire to deal with it. And how the king desires for us to deal with it. That will truly be the victorious, abundant life that he desires for us to live. Oh, we're not going to be without drama. And I pray that if you've not experienced trauma, that you never do. But because we live this side of glory, each of us are susceptible. So he says, listen, you want God's forgiveness? You want God's supply? You want to be filled and indwelled? You want to, you know, you want to be something supernatural in the natural? Then you keep connected with the Father. You tell the Father your business. You do everything you can to release that level of forgiveness so that you no longer carry a burden. Another caveat. There's a wide pendulum swing today whenever we speak of forgiveness. So let me just clarify. This will not be enough 
In 25, 27, 39, 51, I might try to break the record today, PD. I'm just kidding. There's not going to be enough talk time for anyone that's experienced trauma with a T. But I hope that it's a seedbed of continued maturity, continued healing. I hope for some of you that it's a seedbed that you maybe in this moment, on this day, in 2019, you say, whatever that guy was saying, that's when the Lord said, it's time. And then, for some of you, you are so into drama that you are so deaf to the king that when I say forgiveness, you're like, yeah, yeah, I've got this. I know what you're going to say. I've already dealt with it. I know those passages. But what I'm going to tell you right now is I've got control of my own little kingdom. Oh, I'm in the kingdom. You just said that, Tom. It's justification, not sanctification. But what I got over here is I got my own little castle. I got my own little moat. And you know what? I've even rented a dragon. And there's no one that's going to come into my castle because I know how to protect myself now. I don't trust anybody. I've got it. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for your service here. Hope you're not speaking on forgiveness next week. Just tell me because I'm not coming. And, and uh, I'll be fine. You see the pendulum swing? Right here. Go. Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, you can turn there. Jesus begins to continue this journey. And he, and he gives us even a formalized version of what, what is to happen. What is to happen in church discipline? What is to happen in the kingdom realm? He's, he's speaking on even our enemies. I mean, Jesus takes this thing so far that he wants his kingdom to be defined by love. He wants it to be known by love. He wants all the kingdom people to live in love. And in the stretch of love, he wants us to just follow that baby through, all the way through to where at the end of the deal, it's love. The kingdom is to be defined and directed and and, and the demise of anything in the kingdom is when we do not love. It's everything maturing in love. The more that the Spirit, we breathe in the Spirit, then we are maturing and we look like Jesus. Jesus wants his kingdom. The king wants everyone to look like him. He wants you, male or female, right? Paul, we got the theology right. There, he goes through, there's no Scythian, there's no Gentile, there's no, he goes through all this. All we see are Jesus' people. That's what he wants. And he says, even your enemies, I want them to see me and not you. And I need you to get out of your own way. And so he speaks to it. Matthew chapter 18. Some more difficult words from Jesus. He says, if your brother sins against you, Go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you and you have won your brother over, well, great. But if he will not listen to you, then take two others along in the matter 
and be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. He's speaking of this legal action, right? It's, it's gotten serious. You haven't heard me. You're not listening to me. And he continues to say, if he refuses, then tell the church. Matthew's gospel. This is the only gospel that uses the word church. So you can tell when it was written. Because the church was, was starting to be known. He says if he refuses, then you treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. This is serious business. And he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And then a scripture that we always use out of context, but here's the context is, is well, it's, it's out of the direct context of the passage, but it is truly applicable, is wherever two or more are gathered in his name, we usually use it for a prayer, prayer meeting, we can still believe that. I mean, Jesus is here. But in this case, it was whatever they decided for the discipline would be, would be bound in heaven. And whatever they desired to free, it would be bound in heaven. I mean, it would be freed in heaven. And so this discipline was there to say, listen, in my kingdom, it's a real deal. And so when you and I discipline one another, when you and I correct one another, when you and I confess our sins to one another, we are doing this beautiful kingdom life together to where it says that what the king desires, he desires. I usually just translate this, play along in the yard, won't you? Would you just please? And so then Peter, even if you read Matthew 18, you still see this 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 kind of this three or four steps, depending on how you view it. Peter then comes and asks that immortal question, right? So how many times am I supposed to? Is seven, Lord? Now they had, they had sort of a permission in the Jewish context that, you know, three strikes, you're out. I mean, that's, that's enough. I mean, some of us are so fed up with certain things, it's like one time enough. I get that. But Peter comes to the Lord and says, hey, let me use the perfect number. What about seven? And that's when Jesus says, in my kingdom, <laughs> he doesn't say that directly in the text, but go with me. The king says, 70 times seven every day. Are you kidding me? Do you realize what they've done to me? Do you realize what they keep doing to me? Do you realize this and you want that? And Jesus is like, because it's about you and potentially about them. Whoa. And then he gives a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. Oh, isn't that nice? A king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began to settle a settlement. A man who owed, owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the same guy who was just freed went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii? 10,000 versus 10 bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. 
Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison because he couldn't, until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master then called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Then Jesus closes this parable with these words. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Whoa. I like to call this the parable of the two torture chambers. Because you only read one, but I'm just going to suggest that there were really two. You see, when we refuse or don't develop the habit or are so fearful or so protected within our own kingdom, then I'm going to suggest that that is a torture chamber of our soul. See, Jesus desires for no one, he desires for no one to ever be tortured again. He desires in his kingdom that there would be freedom to be free from it. Some of us get into these levels of protecting ourselves so much that we sort of refuse. Some of us outright, and some of, some of us just this casual Right? It, no one really knows it. But on our hearts and our souls, we know it. We can smile. We can put on a mask. We can put on a face. We can do that. But, but really what, what we're doing is we're torturing ourselves. And we think we're torturing them. And then sometimes we will. Sometimes we have just enough influence to keep torturing someone who needs our forgiveness, who needs needs to be freed. And Jesus is not saying, listen, it doesn't mean that their resume doesn't precede them. Reconciliation of relationship takes two people. It's not necessarily about reconciling a relationship, but I think sometimes we get caught in that. Now what do I do with the relationship? Friends, the relationship may have died, but the slow death of lacking forgiveness kills both people over time. Jesus, I think he says this. In the Hebrew letter it says, revenge is mine, saith the Lord. Revenge is God's. The king is just. I think metaphorically he comes to us, each of us, whether we are easily pained by the petty because we're tired of it all, or we have deep trauma that we are holding to ourselves, and it affects us deeply. I think the king says, listen, give it. Give it over. Talk it through. Give it to me. I will reconcile the account. I think some of us go, 
Yeah, I know what you're going to do. You're just going to offer them forgiveness. Oh, yeah, great. Or, what are you going to do with this evil that has hurt me? I believe the king says, listen, I reconcile all accounts. You give, you forgive by name. Forgive that person and release them to me. And the king, in, my, in the justice and the mercy of giving them over, will take over the accounts payable. Those that, that they need to pay, I will take care of it. Friends, God is going to take care of you, the evil that has harmed you, the wicked that has harmed you, the petty that has harmed you. But he also desires to take care of us so that we no longer carry burdens that we should not carry, guilt that we carry, shame that we carry. Do you realize some of the trauma that we experienced, we're carrying undue shame and guilt? It wasn't even us, but we carry this burden. And the king says, when you come to my gate, I want you free. I want you free. Forgiveness in my kingdom equals freedom. Be free. I will reconcile that account. Get out of the torture. Keep, stop putting them, stop, stop concerning yourself about them, and set them free to me. Stop allowing your heart to be so petty that you don't trust anyone. How in the world are you going to live in community? How in the world are you going to truly love your family? How in the world are you ever going to get past the frayed life and become whole within this kingdom? I think the king says, listen, your justification is on me. But those in the kingdom must watch how they are sanctified and what they're sanctified by. Any of us, all of us that have carried resentment. Resentment is the telling of your soul the story over and over and over and over and never getting release. He desires for us to keep those short accounts so that we can easily give it over to him and not truly be affected in our soul. He does not want us to be in charge of constantly breathing in the toxicity of what hasn't happened yet or what's not going to happen or they're never going to know and they're never going to understand. He desires for us to breathe out to him and then breathe in what the Spirit has to mature us and grow us. Those of you that have experienced trauma, when you truly began your journey of healing, you probably had to be told to tell the story. And you most likely had a feeling of going, I don't want to tell the story. But it's through telling of the story, the revealing, that you get out of the myopic viewpoint, the protected viewpoint. No one would blame you for that. But Jesus says, through forgiveness, you speak it out. Don't be concerned about forgetting. You'll never forget. But it's through that healing that you tell the story. 
and the story, you begin to gain that control. You'll see that in my kingdom, the control is not to protect. You learn that in control, you release. People can hurt and harm me. Goodness gracious, 54 years. Guess what? I've done the same. Said things that I never should have said. Said things and done things. And when they have taken those steps to come to the brother. See, what happens is, I hope you get this. I think what we do is we actually live by the principle of Matthew 18 years. As opposed to Matthew 18 seconds. We get hurt, offended, we need to go to that brother or that sister, and we will wait a freaking 18 years. Are we supposed to say freaking from the pope? I am so sorry. We will wait to take care of business in the kingdom. Now, what do you think can happen over 18 years? Do you think we're in the resentment zone or the restoration zone? Be honest. Are we really sharing the trauma for healing or are we sharing it with one another? Jesus desires for us to get to a place where we release the resentment, release the revenge, release the petty and truly begin to trust again because we need the community. We need what he desires for us to have in his kingdom. He wants his people to be free. He desires for us to be free. He desires for you and I, maybe today, as you're communing, as you breathe out to your king, thank you, king, for taking care of all pain all revenge, all war against me, all persecution, all pettiness, I wonder if you could speak a name. I wonder if you could speak names. See, it's people or persons, systems, and I do not have enough time to go here, so I'll give it 30 seconds. Then we got this third thing called self. And he desires for us to be free in him. To not have to be worried about self. Self-esteem, self-this, self-this, identity, identity, right? The kingdoms of the world have all kinds of stuff going on. His kingdom says, you are mine. You were bought with a price. You are forgiven, done deal, justified. Now, now, be sanctified. So that you can know that you're being fashioned into my likeness. You no longer are your own. You've been bought with a price. You are mine. And I want you to look like me. And I'm not talking about the Caucasian Jesus we all grew up with. I'm talking the one that we know when we've been forgiven and we've experienced trauma and we've worked hard and we've been through and our shoulders go up a little bit, and it's nothing about self-esteem. It's all been about being esteemed in the Father. 
That through one act of just giving it over, forgiving, has changed our lives. He desires for us to experience freedom. Much more could be said. But I want to close with this. It's not original with me. But I found it fitting. We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like other men when we judge. But we are most like Christ when we forgive. God, may your kingdom rule in our hearts and our minds. May you take the tenuous heart today, the sensitive heart, the enraged heart. And may you begin to and continue to work through the healing that you know we need. May today be the day of salvation, the justification for hearts that maybe have carried this pain way too long, but they never really could trust you, trust God, trust this concept of God. May that soul be renewed and refreshed today through the salvation that only the king can provide. And then the rest, may we as kingdom people begin, continue, and continue to mature through your sanctification to release that which we hold on to and do exactly what you've asked us to do in forgiveness. May today names be released. May hearts be mended. May those dealing with trauma be released. And for those of us that have pettiness, may we grow up. Jesus, thank you, King. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for taking us where you want us to be. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And may you continue to be our King. Amen.